Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How long gone? A, a, a rare off-schedule podcast, a rainy Monday in New York, but sometimes you have to bend to the guests' wishes, and that we are happy to do occasionally. Jason, how are you feeling? I know you were able to hit the gym, which bodes well for this conversation. It does. Yeah. Well, luckily, our our guest has bent for us as well, so it's only fair, right? True. Good point. No, that's a good point. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, this is a rare, this is a rare tit-for-tat bend. Um, the, and we finally come together for this important collaboration. The innuendo is strong. Um, <laughs> yeah, aren't you, aren't you glad that I've? Can you tell if I've worked out or not worked out before the before the podcast? Just in terms of my I, I, energy I've, mannerisms, I've honestly never, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I've honestly never thought about it until now. But I bet I could tell if I was if I was if that thought crossed my mind. Y- you know what I mean? Like you could tell with me too. I'm sure it's. I, I'm definitely less wound up. After I've gotten a pump, <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta pump the black out of you, as they say. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's every Monday morning. Every that's I mean that's what I did this Monday. Well, I had to I had a um I had a J Crew shoot at the beautiful Lambs Club in the theater district uh this this morning. So I ha- Lambs Club, I ain't never heard of that. <sighs> it's like an old school New York kind of like that part of town. Just because I'm I'm not like a Broadway guy, I'm not super familiar with. But you know, there's a couple of haunts around there that are popular with. Obviously, theater actors, but also like all the SNL writers and shit, because Radio City is right there. Mm. You know all that. I'm stuff. sure. I'm sure I've seen it on my show. Only murders in the building, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. When you've been, when you're pouring over the sets and locations they chose for Only Murders in the Building. Shout out to a friend of the show, Selena Gomez, looking good. I, and also, I think well, I think one of the guys on that show lives in my neighborhood. I could be wrong. I could be stereotyping. But I think he's a fellow fellow dog walker. So if you know who I am and you're listening to this show, find me on Sniffies. <laughs> find me. Yeah, so I had to do that and then had to come back down. But, you know, taking the train on a rainy Monday really ma- reminds you of how awful New York is. But we made it. And and luckily, there was a, uh, oh, thank God. a big New Yorker story on Tom Brown today. About time that guy got some ink. What was it? What was it about? Well, I mean, it's just the whole story. It's like from top to bottom. But Rachel, the the writer, like went to Paris for the Couture show, which was like a big a big new thing for him, and spent time with him and his husband at their house, and like really did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a quote about about how like I used to walk by construction workers in my skirt, and they would they would laugh at me, and now I walk by, and they're like, "Nice Tom Brown," which I think <laughs> is really fucking funny. Damn that it's gotten popular popular enough which I, I believe that to be true like i've had an experience like that at this like wedding and i was wearing the short suit and like a dad came up to me and, and knew it was tom brown because of mm-hmm. like lebron or whatever and it's just it's it's crazy um 
that that can happen honestly you know but that's the world we live in it's a, it's a long and winding road to get it there is, so I, my hat's off to tom for that it is skirts off i should say and there's there's a big there's also a big jeremy o'hara story in the new new yorker big big day but i haven't had a chance to read that one yet yeah i saw him tweeting about that and he was he was talking about it in a little bit of a cryptic way i'm like wait is this good or bad i can't tell <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun way to talk about a fucking eight thousand word story about you in the New Yorker. Like, ah, uh, let's 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 play games. See if anybody can kind of pick up on what I'm. Well, I mean, down. you know, Russell Brand had a big story in the Guardian this weekend. Was that a good one or a bad one? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess that 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 shit is disturbing like it's really dark um and i did read the whole thing it's it's good with stories like that usually the paywall is lifted you know so people can mm -hmm. people can actually read it yeah but i mean that seems like a good way to to convert over to some subbies if you ask Definitely. me 100 percent. the best part of that is his his um defenders so far are andrew tate and elon musk um, two of the maybe most hated men in america so it's really i feel like that's hurting him and anna from red scare of course, yeah. How, how can we forget? But I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how this ends. You know what I mean? Um, if it's like, a, do they arrest him? Like, what what happens? It's pretty gnarly stuff. But I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen because it, it might be a statute of limitations thing. You know, like I, I don't know. But I, I will say this: Is he a Scientologist? Does he have ties to the community? I mean, I'm sure he's trying to convert if, he, if he's not. But I think that <laughs> I think that the one thing I can say for certain is that his crimes are much worse than Hassan Minaj's. And that's that's the that that's <laughs> something I can say for absolute much, sure. much for absolute certainty. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that that Russell, you know, he's this is all because he's he's kind of like a anti-government provocateur and maybe he's digging too deep and he's pissed off the wrong people so now they're going to have a media smear campaign to discredit him so when he talks about you know all the scandals and uh yes, and yes, the unfair yes. practices of the blah 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 then they'll be like oh well he's a rapist it doesn't matter um and i think both things can be true i think he's i think he is probably doing a good job about uncovering a lot of um bad stuff going on in the world and he probably did a lot of bad stuff to women back then as well i think he's definitely guilty of all charges i also think he is i i'm not familiar with his brand of conspiracy theory but i believe he's pretty mm -hmm. I, I think he's one of those guys who talks fast and uses big words so people that get all their news from mm -hmm. youtube are easily convinced that what he's saying is correct you know what i mean i don't i've never seen chris i'm sitting right here I'm i mean he's he's a very <laughs> impressive intelligent he can talk circles around just about anyone he can debate just this about is what anyone I'm saying. This on is, any subject this is what i'm saying he's ultra charming and he's also probably a rape does a bit of the rapey wapey the circle the the talking circles around people is i think a method of confusion is is what i'm trying to say i think he's like i think when you do that <laughs> your 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 point is almost lost and it doesn't matter because if you've gotten people on board they're going to follow you around the merry-go-round until they want to get off well, well what if what you're saying is intelligent and succinct and intelligent people are impressed and moved by what he is saying despite uh or regardless of the speed of of his conversation i should say well because who's think about his audience you know what i mean like who is getting their conspiracy theory and political news 
from a guy <laughs> who starred in Get Him to the Greek. You, you know what I mean? I don't think we're working with. I don't think we're working with Mensa members here. The, the, the same amount of people that who who Diddy convinced <laughs> to vote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not to, to take another you know, uh, character actor from from that fine film. Yes, that's a Jonah Hill vehicle. Great work. Yeah, it's been a tough. It's been a tough year for Jonah and 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 uh, and Russell. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's fucked. Depraved <laughs> guy. Uh, hopefully, they they get that sorted out. And uh, you know, I'm sure that the the. Um, that's sort of you know his 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 YouTube followers will find a new um, kind of crazed Adderall conspiracy theorist to follow. There, there's no lack of that. I feel like on on that platform. I agree. Looks like uh, looks like Natalie's here actually, Chris. All right. Well, <clears throat> all of that being said, we do have a guest today. Uh, Wise Blood um, is an artist that you guys are all probably familiar with. Um, Natalie is actually playing. Uh, headlining the Greek Theater in Los Angeles on October fourth with friend of the show Perfume Genius opening, mm. um, which what I'm a bill. I would like to go to that. Um, so let's uh, let's. I think she's been on the road, um, and we need to apologize to her for that last minute reschedule because of our Delta issues. Mm. So let's uh, let's give her a call. Okay, can't wait. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp, you know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists you get one that you really like you guys are gossiping you guys are chit-chatting you guys are talking about your personal interests next thing you know it's time to actually do the work so it feels good building those uh mental health relationships with people you actually like and on better help there are so many different therapists to choose from i don't like anyone if you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy give better help a try it's entirely online Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash HowLong. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole-body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with considerably less shedding thank god take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker healthier hair for a limited time Nutrafol is offering our listeners ten dollars off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long all one word find out why over 4500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair Nutrafol.com spelled n-u-t R-A-F-O-L 
I got Raph on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long? That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long? Natalie, do you happen to have headphones on or in? I do have headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're in. Okay, you sound good. Are, so far, what you're you're batting a goddamn thousand, Natalie. Thank God, Natalie. Thank you for joining us. And how long on you? You were on time, and you also have headphones on. I want you to understand how shockingly rare that is, specifically with professional musicians. <laughs> well, yeah. Why do um, you Why do you think that is? Do you have any excuses for your people? Media. I think she has media training. She does a lot of podcasts, probably. I, I think I just odd. I know how audio can go and the feedback that happens if the audio is just getting fed into the recording. And I, I just know about feedback more than anything else. <sighs> I just how come you're think, the you only know. musician we've ever interviewed who was familiar with that concept? Holy fucking shit. I'm a real headphone girl. You know, I was always using headphones before. I'm using headphones now. I, I, I know how to... Uh, you probably came out of the womb with some cans on, right? Yep, definitely. <laughs> I, I like that you, you just love headphones. I just love headphones. No. What can I say? I've had all kinds. Are you? I'm a headphone junkie at the end of the day. Call me what you will. Are you a wired it girl or are you using AirPods? Well, I just recently graduated to um, the big kind of poofy noise cancellation headphones. And I'm realizing that I could noise cancel the entire world was like totally mind-blowing so that was big for you that was big for you <laughs> they are bluetooth but i am i'm opposed to the airpods i, I think that that's just it, it's just going to get lost you know it's just it needs to be big or connected to a wire for me to really keep my hands on it smart you're opposed to them because you know that you will lose them you don't trust yourself around these little guys no i don't but i also i mean bluetooth <laughs> is not my favorite it's like a necessary evil it's like we've all kind of sadly had to do it it's oppressive. I experienced uh, an odd thing um, just yesterday. I, I purchased an album on Bandcamp and downloaded the MP3s of it instead hold on. of listening to oh, it on Spotify. On. You, you've got some explaining to do, but go ahead. <laughs> Bro, I'm over here supporting small artists, local businesses. I, who am I? But I, I really could hear a difference in the audio quality between a 320 MP3 and Spotify. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. It was a little unsettling. Really? And I mean, I haven't I haven't purchased an album, a digital album in since George Bush was in office, you know? I've been pirating music my whole damn life and this this was eye opening. They use a weird compression. Mm -hmm. Um, which is also like I think it's symbolic of like the kind of oppression Spotify represents. It's like, yeah, let's homogenize all of this and make it all <laughs> Yeah, let's make it all sell. Yeah, well, shit. yeah, let's 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 just make the most pedestrian homogenized thing and, and make that be the future of music. Mm. I think there was a quote recently from Bob Dylan that I really love about how we're all turning into like cube heads. <laughs> like ice cube? <laughs> no, just kind of listening to just like very like kind of square, you know. Oh, I see. The music is square. to study to. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm big. I, I love the idea of Bob Dylan checking out lo-fi beats to study to. But I, I agree with you <laughs> that it's it's like it is a like I don't think I can actually tell the difference with like audio fidelity. I don't think I don't think I have the ears for it. You don't. But I do think that something we talk about on the show a lot is that music is, it, it used to be songs and now it's like vibes and that, that yeah. needs to change. Now it's <laughs> tunes. I heard, I heard somebody say recently that a, a song has to have, you know, a traditional kind of verse chorus structure and then anything that is not that 
you have to call it a tune. And I kind of like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've never heard that. I like that too. I, I, I've never, I don't use the word tune that often, but if it, if it means something different, I think I could add it to my vocabulary. It's, it's more popular and sort of British DJ culture, yes. I, I suppose, or just European in general. Oh, I see. Bang your little tune. Wait, would it be like horrifying if I just quoted this Bob Dylan quote? I found <laughs> it. It would be horrifying, but I want you to do it. I would love it. <laughs> so he says, um, Can you do it in a Dylan voice, please, Natalie? <laughs> yeah. <let's... clears throat> the earth could vomit up its dead, and it could be raining blood, and we're sh- we'd shrug it off, cool as cucumbers. Everything's too easy. Just one stroke of the ring finger, middle finger, one little click. That's all it takes, and we're there. We've dropped the coin right into the slot. We're pill poppers, cube heads, and day trippers. Hanging in, hanging out, goblin and blue devils. Black mollies, anything we can get our hands on, not to mention the nose candy and the ganga glass. Hold on, hold on. This is a this is a recent quote from Bob Dylan, or is this from 1970? This is recent. That's him talking about like streaming and just like That's amazing. That's amazing that he's which still talks George like that. Carlin album is this? It <laughs> yeah, sounds just like like Carlin. Yeah. Down is up, up is down. The, blue, that's am- the blues are green and the greens are purple. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing how how on on he is how bob dylan that really was i know i know it's it's from his new book oh damn every everything i absorbed from what he said i i have no disagreements with i i stand with all of those sentiments um but it it still never stops being funny that bob dylan is saying all those things (laughs) no i know he's an intelligent guy but it still just tickles me you know oh for sure i feel like he's should be living on a different plane where he like he doesn't even know what streaming is yeah do you know what i mean like he should be above it all but i guess that's impossible (laughs) no one no one is if you want to stay tapped in you have to pay attention a little bit yeah and but i mean i I think you know also generationally speaking if i were to advocate for the younger kids and their their day tripping and pill popping like (laughs) I think a lot of the desire for kind of ambient, chill, Mm -hmm. kind of pedestrian, like non-decipherable music kind of comes from this place of living in an incredibly stressed out culture. Mm. So it it is a symptom of our times. Like, I don't think it's necessarily people choosing to be kind of brainwashed, but it just so happens that that's like an important ingredient to modern culture is kind of like relaxation music because we're also stressed out mm-hmm. i think no. there's some you truth know? to that i think there's some truth to that i also think people um in general are like paralyzed by choice yeah so if something can just play it's like i don't have to use my brain that feels good totally yeah yeah it's like easier to shop to and not have associations or be challenged yeah exactly it's just it's just something that's it's something that's on the background thank god people life is challenging enough as it is yeah i don't want to have to pick which uh ambient noise project i'm going to listen to today just play anything yeah please spotify play anything are you um are you in la are you on the road what's going on i just got back i'm in la Oh, how does it feel to be back in the motherland? I mean, I I had quite an amazing journey. I was gone for five weeks. So it was really revelatory. So being home, it's like a, a new place for me. It's like I completely reset the Super Nintendo and I'm starting from scratch. <laughs> you, okay, so we did a hard reset. Was this a U.S.? Were we in Europe? Where would we go? I was all over U.S. I did some headlining shows and I opened up for Beck and Phoenix. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to go to that here, but I was... Friend I was, of the show, Phoenix. I was out of town, yeah. Tomas did the show a while back. Oh, I love Tomas. 
He's really great. What a kooky cat. Love that guy. He's very cool. Very cool. What is the, so what did that crowd, were they vibing with you or were they there to like see Phoenix and Beck? I think they were vibing. I mean, of course they're there to see Phoenix and Beck, but there were, sure, we sure, would have sure. like a little cluster of our own fans at each show and. That's great. And I think we definitely won some people over and they're interested. But, you know, we are kind of like when you're, there's another opener, Sir Chloe, who played before us. And like, yeah, it was kind of like the first two opening bands are just getting people warmed up as they're walking to their seats. For sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think every once in a while there'd be a, a little wise blood mosh pit or something like that. that that's mosh good. pit? Yeah, that's good. That's, I'm glad to hear there's a wise blood, wise blood mosh yeah, my, my pit. Yeah, my fans mosh to my music. Every song the whole time That's or just certain you just have some moshing songs because I've heard your music. And <laughs> I don't I mean, I guess I could do it Gun to my head. I can mosh I've, to it. I mean, I could mosh at any speed if I had to, uh, I guess. But usually I think of the music is, is a little more aggressive. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Th That's of all. Course. Of, That's of all course. Saying. I've been trying to get people to mosh for a long time and occasionally they will to like a song like every day or do you need my love? Those are our two kind of upbeat songs, but it's really just it's like a a joke I've used too many times because sure. I come from like a mosh pit background. So, so do, so do we, uh, have you thought about calling them names or anything? The crowd yeah, yeah. making them mad? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think that like it, when an artist wants to be mean to the crowd oh, and like get all shitty, losers. I don't know. To me, it just sounds like, it's kind of like you're shitting. You're shitting where you eat. You know, it's like no, you don't totally. Of are. course, yeah, absolutely. Of are. course, we, we went. But some people like that. Unfortunately, it's it's dark. Jason and I went to see Buster Rhymes uh, open for Fifty Cent, <laughs> and at the at Crypto.com <laughs> Arena, and Buster Rhymes was the way he was talking to the crowd was so aggressive and weird that I, I was I, just, I I didn't know what the point was. Like he was doing exactly what you're talking about. He was like calling us fucking idiots, basically. Wow. It's so good to be back in LA with you stupid motherfuckers. What the <laughs> fuck? Is, like, is this good yeah, or like bad? I like or I don't understand what you're doing, but that was that was the vibe. And that he he maintained that for his entire set. I would I would like to mention. That like was fun it, well to it. He didn't he didn't peter out at any point. That he he held the line. I mean as some Somebody who's such like a showman, song and dance woman. I I, I am jealous of those who are willing to sabotage okay. that relationship because <laughs> yes. it is so so far. Like I, you know, I mean, I have so much personal shame. You know, being raised kind of Christian that the imagining, you know, yelling at the audience and being mean, yeah, is uh, fascinating. My my favorite version of that would have to be like Joni Mitchell played some festival in the 60s and everybody's really loud and she's like you guys are acting like a bunch of tourists you're just a bunch of that's as mean as she could that's as mean as she could you do get, you do a great woody allen by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a nice that's but, a but i mean if if i'm if i'm watching Joni mitchell in 68 and uh and, and she calls me a tourist that's about the most cutting insult you could hear i know it really was right that one digs to the bone i think artists that preserve their integrity by yelling at the audience like i mean it's powerful it's not something i can relate to but it's, it is powerful no one can argue that so you you consider yourself to be a, a show showman you say show person definitely a show person what are some other sort of tried and true show person traditions that you try to adhere adhere to um I, you know kind of tonal dissonance <laughs> like playing a, a really sad song and then making a really weird joke got it um okay. yeah like i try i i as somebody that you know might have had you know a desire to be a comedian at some point i 
I do have a weird type five and I have jokes I like to say on stage. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Oh, we got it we got an improv I mean, on our to hands. To even Jason. know the phrase tight five. <laughs> I mean, wow. You weren't lying, sister. <laughs> we sing the same songs every night. So it's like it's like we gotta get um we gotta have a little variety in the emotional palette because it, it is quite heavy, you know. No, you got to break it up. Yeah, that's smart. You you got to you got to show. You well, gotta actually, show both speaking sides. of um, speaking of comedy, really quick, I used to go see like stand up comedy like early days when I was a, like a teen, you know, like late nineties, early two thousands, and and Amy Mann would often sing and perform at, at stand up shows back in the day, and I feel like you remind me a lot of Amy Mann. Do, do you get that a lot? I'm so flattered when I do. Um, I think she's really incredible and. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I think there is like a weird mutual resonance between musicians and comedians. And mm -hmm. um, it's like, you know, comedians kind of secretly want to be musicians and musicians secretly want to be comedians. Like John Lennon wanted to be, you know, Monty Python and vice versa. Like, sure. It's a fun historical exchange, I think, because it's like, you know, the happy, sad mask. It's like it's two different masks, I guess. Yeah. And we, we were both, uh, I mean, I'm not a comedian, Chris is not either, but if I'm representing the comedian in this conversation, you know, we both have similar outlooks on the world and we both kind of understand each other's dark language or how you convey that and you can kind of really be yourself around that person. I know a lot of musicians are, are very close friends with lots of comedians and vice versa. Who, who are you bros with in, in the comedy world? Tim Heidecker. Uh huh. Were you, you were on his record, right? You did a bunch of stuff with them. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of did this weird album thing, and we performed a couple times. And no, I said comedians. Oh, <laughs> you mean you mean not, not like performance artists? <laughs> no, no. no yeah, it, was, Tim, it, was a, it was a total joke. I think Tim is one of the funniest people of all time. He's so funny. He verges. He verges on performance artists for sure. He does. No, it, no, he does. He does. He definitely. Well, he he did this show a while ago, and I I I I like to say little things like that as an Easter egg to check if anyone if he's listening ever. You know what I mean? Yeah, you never know. A, leave a little trail. His output is pretty staggering. You, you know, like I think that's the and it does like some of the best stuff that or the stuff that I like the most really does feel like performance art. You know. And I, 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 I would, I would take that as a compliment if I were him. Oh, for sure. I also, um, yeah, I, I think that whether they meant to or not, Tim and Eric kind of unwittingly completely changed the landscape of media forever. Yeah. Wow. Um, you can see their, their influence is so pervasive in, in so many things that it's, it's almost kind of funny to think that it came from from them you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of crazy you got you guys were pretty good i guess at the time i didn't realize it yeah. you, th you think they should be richer right uh yeah i mean <laughs> i think all, i think we all should be a little richer <laughs> yeah i like that mm. i like that the three of us definitely if nothing else speaking of tickets on sale for the greek theater <laughs> october 6th yes the greek theater <laughs> you come see a real showman really show off her her vaudeville skills. I, we were at dinner with Eric actually, and he was talking. I, I missed him and Eric. Like I just didn't. I, I, I don't. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. So when he was talking about it, I was a little bit like, I didn't realize how big it was. Kind of, if that makes sense. Like I didn't realize that it's. Like, of course, yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah. it kind of like the state or something for the generation before? You know what I mean? Where it was like the heads loved it, and it's kind of legendary. You know. I mean, almost. I would say that it it kind of 
basically I think because it's so meta and because it was so kind of like anti-comedy, it kind of eclipsed a lot of the old sketch comedy shows because I was a huge Kids in the Hall fan and I always felt like Kids in the Hall mm. in the state were kind of in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. And like St Stella, it's like, you know, very classic sketch comedy. But I, I feel like Tim and Eric were just like, it was such a weird new kind of nostalgia mash meta thing. And then, you know, having like John C. Riley, who's like a brilliant dramatic actor sure. being funny on it as well. I mean, to me, it just kind of changed. It, it just like became like it exceeded a sketch comedy show. And mm -hmm. I think the style of those. It did more. Yeah, it did more for advertising. I mean, for better or for worse, you know, it's just like we've been Tim and Eric like <laughs> And maybe they just kind of called it. They just called it on like the future that it was going to be this like disturbing kind of nostalgic um, kind of public access mashup. Yeah, no, no. I think, I, I think it's it was a it's an outlook or a viewpoint from a lot that a lot of different people had, very similar to like how people would describe you know three chord punk punk music or whatever. Like that's so easy, anyone could do it, but you didn't. These guys did. Yeah, like Tim and Eric, or, or existed in a world of like. A very weird, interesting, artistic, and often lazy bros, and they were like, "We're just gonna work really hard and just actually do it." Yeah, they they were kind of there to claim the uh, the beginnings, even though it was, I think, this like cultural inevitability. Yeah, yeah, it was gonna ha it was gonna happen. They just did it first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is the what is okay? So you said you have a a mosh background, and Jason and I have one as well. Um, what kind of hardcore were we listening to? Well, I was, you know, kind of coming of age, starting to go to shows when I was like 12 or 13. And I was like, first off, super classic punk, like Dead Kennedys, Misfits, like all the... Okay, the good stuff. The most classic stuff. But there weren't, mm -hmm. you know, there was like a couple kids like that in my town. The majority of the kids that did shows or played music were hardcore kids. So it was almost just based on the fact of like wanting to go to a show that I was like, oh, I can get down. Like, <laughs> yeah. and you know, Screamo was really big like this band neil perry of, oh yeah I've seen, I've seen neil perry several times yes yeah, yeah joshua fit for battle like there are all these really kind of legendary damn you're getting you're getting deep you're getting deep well i i would set up shows like uh before okay. i played my first show i was like a band jam coordinator at the ymca and i'd make you know i'd go to staples and like <laughs> of course use the photocopier for like six hours and make some weird flyer and you know, I had handbills and I'd book like six bands in my middle school cafeteria and just do these weird shows. So that was kind of, yeah, the beginning of middle school. Damn. Yeah. You got it Were you in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Is there like a scene there that we should be aware of or is it close to something? I don't realize it's is close, that close to, to Wilkes-Barre. Wick Wilkes-Barre. Oh, Wilkes, Wilkes Bar. We used to call Wilkes, Wilkes Bar. Bar. Wilkes Bar. Wilkes Bar. Yeah. Wilkes Bar <laughs> in Allentown. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, back in the you know early aughts, late nineties, like the hardcore scene in the East Coast, it's just like there were it was just, huge. No, it was it was massive. Huge. Like those shows, the the people that would put on the really big ones with like nineteen bands or whatever, where there'd be like dudes like drinking in a van in a parking lot with like fifteen year olds. Yes, yes, like yes, that. Yes. <laughs> that I don't think happens anymore. No, I think you know, that, but probably that was not. Like, no, probably. The Russell Band <laughs> travels by plane now. No, that probably you know, is. No, like that was crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that the um, 
No, I, 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 because I grew up in Atlanta, so I was probably, I was probably seeing a lot of the same tours you were seeing. You know what I mean? As far as like East Coast goes. Um, totally. But you're, you're right. It was like, there would be shows, there would be a lot of people, you know, like a thousand people showing up at like a relatively DIY venue, you know? And it's like, this seems, this seems crazy. And it was like, there was kind of, you could actually make money, kind of. Like, because, (laughs) yeah, because (laughs) even paying everyone fairly, it's like all, cash you could like kind of make money i didn't catch any money but i did catch <laughs> that there was this there was a feeling that it was like yeah you could you know kind of have like a shitty pa system yeah and and still make this big moment in this you know non-conventional space i love atlanta it has such a rich diy scene so i imagine the shows there were amazing yeah i mean i we've talked about it a few times but i lived in a house that had shows my first like the first house after i moved out of my my parents house and it was um i'm a really clean kind of organized guy and i can't looking back i cannot believe that i lived like that you lived in a show house (laughs) Those are the gnarliest houses of all time. Disgusting. But there's there, every once in a while. So what happens is every once in a while, like this screamo thing is kind of having like a weird moment where I'm like hearing orchid like referenced in stuff now. And oh, yeah, it all comes back. There'll be like a picture of one of those bands playing in the kitchen. And I'll be like, this is so fucking crazy that this is like something people care about again 20 years later or whatever, yeah. 15 years later. I mean, I, I see like these things come back and, you know, I kind of feel like in some ways when it stopped being as much of a thing, it kind of created this void where it's like, where are the teens supposed to put all their angst? Like, where are you supposed to go mm. and rebel and like, yeah, like kind of like rage, Fortnite, you know, kind of like a sacred way, which is what I feel like moshing is. It's like a, a sacred rage. It's like you're not actually going to really hurt somebody unless you kind of maybe accidentally do, but you're not like, you know, it's not the most destructive, but it's like a very valuable place for teenagers and angsty, angry people to like have their moment. No, you're it's, right. It's, it's like an introductory to BDSM in a way. <laughs> there's, there's rules and guidelines. It polices no, itself. There's respect and consent. And if, if you got a bad seed, it, everything, you know, kind of works its way works its way out on its own. We yeah, I find, cops that, kind of thing. I, okay. I find that also it was like relatively progressive for that time period even though it was like kind of angry white bros it was still pretty progressive when you look back at it yeah which i think is 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 also something that kind of surprises me because at the time i didn't think about it like that. yeah no i mean i was really into fugazi and the dc hardcore yeah world which i think had more of this ethos of like it had a morality to it um, which might might could be like you know kind of equivalent to like the mod like the jam or like mm-hmm. in the UK when like a lot of those yeah. punk bands were like actually we're gonna dress nice and treat people well like I there were a lot of straight edge kids in my town who are like pretty pretty anti sex and like yeah they were really yes, yes. they were like serious <laughs> about no. not perving on girls and like they're pretty serious about that and yeah po- poison free means a lot of different things to a lot of different people that's yeah, true exactly. yeah it, it got extreme sometimes it, the pussy's poison it got extreme <laughs> <Yeah>. it got- <laughs> pussy's poison <laughs> i'm looking at this as poison i don't know what to that's say. the only reason why i never have sex with anyone the only reason guys. yeah yeah the only not not because of my not because of the 15 beaded necklaces i have on it's because the, i think it's poison I, I don't like it sounds like a band guys <laughs> yeah, it does. It does like sound a like a band. We laugh, but I don't if know. you want to hop on the nostalgia wagon, I, 
and I just got us a show at Pitchfork Fest. I just made a couple of calls, guys. It's no problem. We're doing Riot Fest this year. It's going to be sick. sick. Were you ever? Were you ever like a vegan, straight edge, anything like that? No, 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 no. I was always peripheral. Like I always kind of loved, you know, smoking weed and yeah. eating Italian hoagies. I, I was just very like I couldn't. I couldn't be categorized. Because I was actually like, I'd go to those shows, but I was listening to like Sid Barrett. Like I, w- I wished that my town had like a, fr- like a freak folk sure. kind of psychedelic scene, which it didn't really have. So I was like, I was always pretty peripheral and I never, you know, the closest thing, you know, is I'd like wear dickies and like old work pants and stuff like that. But I was not trying to be like, I knew that that scene was, uh, was yeah, kind of not the place for me musically. Mm-hmm. And I would... I would take the train into the city. I would take the train into Philly and go to shows there. And I had friends there that were like in art school and they were more like, that was when I started playing with other musicians for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you still find the time to smoke weed and eat hoagies living in LA? Ooh, well, I haven't had an excellent hoagie <laughs> in uh, in LA. I mean, I'm sure they, ex- Ooh, actually, no, there's, there's a couple good California style sandwiches, but I feel like you can only get a hoagie on the East Coast. Hoagie. <laughs> I even said it with my, my Philly accent. Fucking hoagie. Um, but I, I still, I enjoy, you know, the, I participate in the herbals, but um, I'm more of a gummy <laughs> queen. These days I'm kind of a. <laughs> gummy queen. You a gummy bitch? Jason's a gummy bitch too. So that, that like I'm totally. A, why don't you say gummy goddess? How about that? Okay. Wow. That sounds. <laughs> Sorry. That, that sounds like a funny cereal, but sure we can do that. I mean, gummy bitch would be like, she took the gummy and she's like bugging, but like gummy goddess is just, that's euphoria right there. Mm, gummy goddess. It's a new dressing at sweet green. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. What is the, what is the. Uh, I, I know I should know this, and I, I feel stupid asking, but what what designates a hoagie from a sandwich or even a submarine sandwich? Is it a bread type? <sighs> hoagie. Hoagie. This fucking guy. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know. Korea World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard. The New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States, with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland who are putting modern spins on Korean classics. Recipes include giant short ribs, whole fried smash, rockfish, and pineapple kimchi fried rice. I'm sad I didn't get to name the foods and you did. (laughs) Korea World is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food. Available wherever books are sold. Well, I don't know. I think to me, this I might be wrong on the etymology, but to me, sub is like the West Coast version of a hoagie. Okay. Like a submarine. That's like what the hoagie looks like. <laughs> yes. What's the hoagie look like? It looks like a little sub. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think hoagie, it, it's like, yeah, it's like on a bread that's kind of like looks like a, a submarine and then it's got, you know, meat and oil and vinegar and oregano or shredded lettuce or layers of deliciousness um it's like the italian-american you know 
thing. Yeah, there there is no real difference than you know from a hub to a sub to a hoagie, but it's just like when you get one from from Philly or or Boston or whatever the East Coast, you just know and it just feels different, you know. Okay, There's just something it's, about it's, it. It's a vibe thing, is what you're telling me. Is what it sounds like. It's basically a vibe thing. Yeah, it's a bread thing. You know, it's like pizza in L.A. and versus yeah. New York. You know, you get the slice in New York. There's just something about it. Yeah, you can't really put your finger on it, but it's the same shit. Yeah, sure. California, sure, like the sure, bread sure. is all hard. Like California is just confused. Oh, I mean, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. No doubt, but I think California in general is like the sandwich situation is different. Yeah, we're not. That's not our strongest suit. Sandwich is East Coast culture for sure. That that really is East Coast culture. I don't. I but don't you think do like that. having a badass Cali sub though, right? A little avocado sprout kind of guy. I mean, I'll. Uh, so I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm actually from California. I moved to Pennsylvania when I was 11. So like, I I know I'm talking a lot of shit on the sandwiches out here, but I you know. California, yeah, California has that like ultimate hippie sandwich with the sprouts and the sunflower seeds and some like the co-op kind of yes. style sandwich is so will, will will you eat one of those or are you too good for them now that you're all Philly, huh? No, I I I mean I grew up eating alfalfa sprouts on sandwiches. That's that's the California way. <laughs> let me tell you something. Amen. Let me tell you something. I grew up eating alfalfa sprouts on sandwiches. But were were those first ten or eleven years formidable enough to really alter your culinary what journey do you for think? the rest of what your do life? You think? <laughs> of course. What do you think? Of course. Of I course. don't know. I'm just. I mean, I'm only asking from experience. Where I'm thinking, like, what, what like, what was I really doing food wise? From the ages of zero to ten, yeah, totally. I was kind of just doing whatever my mommy made me do. You know what I mean? I feel you, man. But girls grow up quite fast. Um, oh. I think I was very informed by California, just because my parents are from there, my grandparents are from there. So it's like the culture of the family. You know? Oh, I see. We were very Californian, and my brother, my eldest brother, actually never moved out to the East Coast. So like moving to the East Coast was a bit of an afterthought, and I'm like the youngest, so I turned out to be the most East Coast, but. It was shocking to go from California food to Pennsylvania food, especially in like 1998. It was like, like we we just couldn't believe what they thought Mexican food was. Like <laughs> we couldn't believe the taste of the food. It was just like I was so used to flavor and deliciousness and fresh produce. <laughs> I was used to flavor. So it was that bad. It's gotten better. I mean, course, this is kind of, I feel like the world is so global now. Everybody's a foodie. Foodie is everywhere. They got a Panera now. Yeah, they got a Panera. They got like real tacos. But at the time, yeah, like it was, you, we'd buy chicken salad and, and then like, you know, we'd like put like a handful of Cajun spice and like a bunch of salt in it just to make it taste like what we were used to, you know? <laughs> That's tough. Damn, bro. That's tough. I mean, I, I do think that that's what people say about California, though. That's one of the best. I mean, that's the whole thing. When did you move back? Seven years ago. Oh, so it hasn't been that long. No. Okay. <laughs> so you did you return to the motherland? Was it like a homecoming oh, yeah. or was it against your will? Okay. You wanted to. Oh, I was trying to get back the whole time. I was always trying to get back. It just was difficult because I I kind of felt like I had business to do musically um, to be able to afford to kind of get out sure. here. Where do you, what part of LA are you, what part of LA are you in? I'm in Altadena. Ooh. Oh, wow. You're an early settler. Okay. So you're Alta, Altadena. That says a lot. 
And what or do you like being near mountains or is it just like I want to be far, as far out as I can? Oh, no, I, I think it, I did it for the mountains and the hikes and there's like a waterfall and there's peacocks. and. <laughs> is that the lesbian waterfall? Is it a lesbian waterfall? I've, I've heard do a tale. lot of lesbians go there? I've heard tale that they're over there, like kind of Altadena Angeles Forest. There's one lesbian. It's not a lesbians only. Maybe it's uh, Eaton. Eaton Pussy Falls. Okay. <laughs> Eaton Canyon. Eaton Canyon. Is that Eaton Canyon? Yeah, Eaton Canyon. Eaton Clamion. Oh, we're God. we're shooting around ideas. Okay. That's good right. stuff. Natalie. That is good well stuff. Done. That is good stuff. <laughs> well, I, I have seen I have seen a girl in a wise blood shirt at Eaton Eaton Falls, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you you guys might be right. I mean, based on your your research. Yeah, I guess if anybody knows how to spot a lesbian, it's probably you, huh? I I mean I I can't claim to have true gaydar, of course. But you know, I hope that you know I eventually attain that status in my lifetime. I think you can do it. I think you can do it. We're all working towards something. I don't think I've ever been to Altadena, really. Jason, have I been there before? No, I mean, friend of the show, Nick Weidenfeld lives there. I've never been. I've never He's got been. a fucking sick ass house. I mean, your 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 money stretches real far over in Altadena. As as long as you're okay with being a little out of the way, you have yeah. Amazing if you're houses. okay with your your friends never visiting you again, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to ask, <laughs> how good. often are you making it to civilization? Not not often. I, I I do it all the time. Um, I drive around a lot. I I can I can handle it. But I did notice, you know, a lot of people have moved to Altadena. Yes. So there is a little community here. But um, if somebody lives, you know, in Los Feliz, they'll think it's really far away. <laughs> um, versus me, I don't think it's that far. I think it's as think far it's as far. like you know North Hollywood or whatever. It's just like another part of the village but yeah, yeah it's, people it's do part think of, it's far it's part of what you sign up for in la too to an extent you know it's like that's totally people are going to live in different places i find myself dipping over to sierra madre every now Ooh, and again actually that's yeah close to you, right? what do you do in sierra madre i got sushi spot over there Ooh, nice yeah really great food out there i don't think i'm familiar with this either I, I i have so much to learn it's out of your jurisdiction chris he chris when he's in la he lives in west hollywood and goes to San Vicente bungalows and stuff like that. So we're, this is a whole kind of alien concept. Yeah, this for is him. like the suburbs out here. It, no, I Do mean, you have bears? You got bears in the in the crib? There's bears not in the crib. I hear <laughs> not, about not them. Not in your house <laughs> on your on your property, maybe on the ground. You know, I got a pretty good fence, and so I haven't seen them. <laughs> what I do have is a lot of peacocks, like peacocks galore. Yeah, what do we do with these peacocks? Have they ever been dangerous? I think they've been annoying. You know, like mm -hmm. the colony was like up to like 25 plus at some point and they would just go off and be like, <laughs> you know, like really going for it. Yeah. People that would stay at my house would look at me and be like, how do you like live with this? And they'd like, you know, jump on my roof and stuff. But then so there you was call a, it, you call was, it a, a colony. Yeah. That's a group of it's a group of peacocks that started you know i think in huntington gardens in like the 19th century and, and have since become a wild population of pasadena and altadena yeah i see them i see them around sometimes those sons of bitches we don't have that in west hollywood you got roaches <laughs> <laughs> wow do you listen to this podcast i constantly make fun you of got real city stuff yeah city <laughs> stuff rats roaches you know how it is it's gross um Ooh. natalie are you upset that you weren't asked to be on the panel of the feminist the feminist discussion panel that happened last week in la may i ask what was it about 
<laughs> it was has the sexual revolution failed? It was with Grimes and some other people. You're, you, I'm assuming that you're not familiar with it. I'm not, but I'd love, I'd love to say what I think. <laughs> it sounds like they were just trying to get some attention on that one. Yeah, it was a well, it was a, it was a ticketed event, so there was a, a monetary component. You know what I mean? Of course, it wasn't, yeah, this yeah. wasn't for just the greater good. You know? No, they're not going to ask any really smart ladies that you know are <laughs> underground. What would they bring to the table? <laughs> I mean, it's true. Well, I, I was just thinking about it because I feel like you would have been a very good person to be on that debate panel. You you seem like a very intelligent, well-spoken person with a lot of ideas. So maybe uh, in the spirit of debating, somebody else can form a cooler, better debate and they can hire you to do so. Yeah, or I'll just start my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> have you not done... I, do you have the time for something like that? I've, I've definitely... I have like some ideas cooking... But it's it's like, what do people really need to talk about? That's that's the kind of rotating question in my mind is like, as the problems of modern culture and society continue to kind of just shift and evolve and like elude our attention, what is actually the most important thing to talk about? Let me tell you something from experience. Yeah. doesn't matter. <clears throat> you just shoot the shit. Yeah, that's what people matter. want. That's what people want. <laughs> I would ask you, why does it have to be important? That's the thing. I think because it would be like, if I'm going to fill up space with my, you know, speaking voice talking, that it would have to be on subject matter that I think it would be like enlightening to somebody versus just kind of like adding to the pile of everybody's quote unquote hot takes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that we have, well, a you can lot be of, entertaining I know, without having a hot take, but I, we have so much entertainment. Our whole life is entertainment. Like everything, the way we communicate entertainment is the medium of all communication. So mm -hmm. the idea of just making something entertaining doesn't quite scratch that itch. Sure. Or something within me, but um, I understand that. Well, once, once you, if you set out with a goal to entertain, you'll find that the enlightenment kind of comes along the way for the ride i guess or at least you hope so i mean i wouldn't with, with a mind like yours you're the last person i'd worry about you know what i mean okay there's a lot of dumb people making terrible podcasts filling up the airwaves with nonsense and i don't think you would ever do anything like that of course of course but you, all that is to say you should fucking pod you'd be very good at it all right don't I, i'm, yeah, I'm gonna put disagree. that on the list i'm gonna disagree with jason i hate competition <laughs> so if you could kind of stick to your little music thing that'd be great <laughs> like you're kind of yeah. you have a lane you don't yeah. see me trying to write any songs so let's just keep it let's just keep it well we are doing live shows chris that is a little we're taking i guess shit pros. i guess we are taking i guess we are taking food out of your family's mouth in that way so when when I saw that you were playing at the Greek theater, I was I was very impressed. That's very cool. How does that feel, like intimidation wise? Is this is this your biggest solo show? It's my biggest show, headline show, and and I'm 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 actually just really excited because for me, you know, we've been going so hard this year. We've kind of been on tour pretty solid since January, so it's like a culmination of a lot of hard work and effort, and mm -hmm. and yeah, it's like I kind of don't. Like, I'm going to just be really loose and have fun. I have a lot of family coming out. It's like the first moment in my adult life to witness, um, you know, my family seeing how I turned out, which is kind of cool mm. because for years there was a lot of questions of how it was all going <laughs> to sure, turn sure, out for of me. Course. Yeah. Yeah. That, little that's, Nat going to make it? Yeah. Is Little Nat going to make it? But is the, is you guys have a relationship? It's just they haven't seen you at this stage or or at this level. Yeah, or a lot of them haven't actually seen me play or perform. Oh, really? 
yeah that seems crazy for someone who play i mean you do you tour you're like a real musician in that sense you know yeah yeah totally they just didn't like the earlier stuff very much <laughs> they did not i mean let me i'll be real <laughs> they, i think there was a lot of concern around the mexican what summer doing, era we're, we're kind of all set. really once she got into sub pop yeah. we, we saw there was a little more of a vision are they musically inclined like that um well i think it's more like when i was making noise music and, and kind of being you know, a different kind of artist, they couldn't really relate to it. And then as things became more uh, like focused around songwriting, then yeah, then it became more of a thing. But I, I think I had been playing as Wiseblood for almost like 11 years before my parents saw it. And whose fault was that? Um, Yours or theirs? A little bit of both. Honestly, it's like, that's one of those things that's unanswerable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. If If I had a kid that was making some weird, embarrassing music that I couldn't handle like i wouldn't like roll up to the moldy basement in philly to like witness it you know what yeah, I yeah mean? no sure sure I, <laughs> I i i i stand with your parents i don't know i that. think i would i mean i'd be like well no you wouldn't i'd have notes uh, afterwards the parents that are just i think my friends that have parents who are just like unabashedly like yeah do whatever you want great Mm -hmm. And I hate to make it about this, but like sometimes I think those families are a little bit like, it's okay, honey. Like you got a trust fund. Like you'll be okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You can make noise. You can make noise music because granddaddy founded the train station. So you're exactly, good to go. Exactly. And I think with my parents. I think your poetry is very good. <laughs> yeah. I think with my parents, they were just like, oh my gosh. Like, like I hope she figures it out. Like she, <laughs> she's got to, you know, cause there's. She might be working at Duncan. There's no fallback. Yeah, I've put here. I've put my parents I've put mm -hmm. my parents through a lot in that way too. I think that's part of like trying to forge a path, you know, that is that is not the norm. But do they play music or have an understanding of the whole thing, or is it really for? Yeah, no, no. I they were musicians. Um, my dad actually. Okay, okay. And so, so I think that was another element. Is as musicians, they're like we can qualitatively tell this is bad. <laughs> Say this is bad. <laughs> 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 like we're not just saying it because I know mean. how we're that chord is supposed to sound, and it doesn't sound like that <laughs> yeah. when she plays it. Damn, that's really yeah. funny. That's really funny. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's all hilarious. And and in hindsight, I'm sure if if um if they were here today, they'd be like, "We liked that one thing you did that one time in high school." You know, like of course. But I think I think yeah, for them it was like a little bit like they were just like you know, like how can you possibly do music if it's not going to be pleasant for us to listen to it you're our daughter <laughs> for god's sakes yeah Sp speaking of amy man going back to that really quick do you have a uh, a favorite paul thomas anderson film yeah sick i think there will be blood just because um mm. paul dano is so insanely good you a dano head i'm a bit of a dano head i mean i i also like i recognize he's he's a human being you know it's like He's not a god, but I do think that that <laughs> performance is just really just is one of my favorite things yeah. ever. Um, I do also love Punch Drug Love um, because it's just really reminds me of the valley and just all those buildings in the set and just seeing Adam Sandler get to finally be in a good movie. <laughs> um, That's a gift. That's you know, a gift in itself. The best movie he'd been in since Happy Gilmore or something. That was like. I guess you haven't seen great. the new movie that about the his his daughter's uh bat mitzvah on netflix i would i would recommend it it's it's more of a light-hearted uh, family comedy but i found it quite entertaining terrible movie unwatchable have you guys seen click 
Been a while since I've seen Click. I know what that is, but I have not seen it. The album art is emblazoned in my memory forever for some reason. <laughs> it's like wildly bad. Like the tone is so off. It's actually like a psychedelic experience to watch. I watched it last night, so it's right in, right in it's there. fresh it's- on the noggin. So you guys haven't seen it recently because I'd love to chat more about Click. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you brought up the word psychedelic, and I noticed that you use that word a decent amount. Um, and also, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, Tom, how to dress well, and he uses that word a lot as well. Do you, do you notice yourself saying that word a lot? Do you have, what is what is your, your history with that word? I, I think like when I found out what it was, I was like, oh, that's what I am. Mm. Like if I, if I had to identify. Like when you found out like the meaning beyond like the drug, the drug meanings, I guess. Well, yeah. And I think it kind of stems from that drug meaning being, you know, kind of the revolution of LSD and that whole experience was kind of cracking. If the ego was like an egg, it kind of cracked it open into this like, you know, broader expanse of, experiencing mm-hmm. perception mm-hmm. and i think that's why the music was so out there and you know i don't know there's a lot of different um it's so hard to put into words because it's so elemental but it's like I'm, i've always been into really esoteric kind of philosophical stuff maybe having been raised religious and kind of seeking some kind of replacement for you know the mythology mm-hmm. and the cosmology i was raised with and finding you know carl jung and aldous huxley Mm-hmm. And all these old school kind of writers, psychologists, and finding, you know, some kind of answer in that and how that kind of reflected in, in music in the 60s and how that kind of reflected in a lot of the liquid light shows that accompanied that music. And mm-hmm. yeah, and like the the films of that time, like Kenneth Anger, um, Ira Cohen, there's just a bunch of, you know, cultural happenings or whatever that um Mm -hmm. that for me i was like oh that's that's my zone and that's the word i guess that (laughs) kind of is like the you know general umbrella of all that stuff yeah does that make sense i don't know no it does yeah for some reason i've just my my spidey sense or whatever has noticed lately people around me friends of mine whatever mention or use the word psychedelic to describe anything but uh, a drug experience you know like you know, I just had a kid and it was the most psychedelic experience or whatever like that. And it, it, for some reason, like every, every person who uses that word in that application seems to have some type of through line. And I'm just trying to figure it out beyond a high level of intelligence, I suppose. Well, maybe I think it's like as people that are so locked into, you know, autopilot or kind of just experiencing reality in this one tone having an, a life experience that actually like opens your eyes up and you know, your proverbial eyes. Like we're talking more about like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the chemical sensation of like giving birth mm. would be kind of a psychedelic experience. Cause it, it really alters your brain chemistry. Yeah. Cracks that egg. And it, you know, it's like all psychonauts and people that are super into the drugs and that always come down to the conclusion that all of these chemicals exist within us. Like DMT is, Mm-hmm. released mm-hmm. by your pineal gland weeds from the earth it's from the earth it's from our bodies cocaine yeah i mean from the earth i've never done i've never done dmt that didn't really appeal to me during my <laughs> days that just seems i don't know what about it i, I it doesn't speak to me I yeah, do, you, do you do any of that stuff natalie you get, i used you to far out? i used to be i used to be on the poison path <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i was 
I did DMT at like a warehouse in Brooklyn and I was wearing a polyester dress. And I remember, you know, going into the trip and, and kind of feeling like there were these really evil kind of clowns laughing at me being like, ha ha ha, you're just a tube that makes babies and your dress is fake. And I felt so uncomfortable and humiliated um, <laughs> by the experience. So your, your psychedelic inner monologue was roasting your fit as well? Well, yeah, I, th I think because I went in there, I went in there, I was playing like Wagner or something. I went in there being like, oh, I'm about to have this beautiful experience. And then it was just like an Alex Gray painting. Mm. And it, it was like, a, they were like really making fun of me for assuming that I knew what was like behind the curtain. They're like, look, it's just a bunch of clowns like having sex and making fun of you behind the curtain. Damn. Damn. I'm glad I never did it. Fuck DMT. <laughs> Some people have <laughs> yeah. other experiences too, but my experience was just, it was, do you guys know Alex Gray, the artist? Yeah. Yeah. You've seen he, his That's paintings. the guy who does like all the tool are you know like the super crazy totally. geometric patterns and stuff like that yeah 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 he was he was killing it for a while yeah for me that it was sad for me to go into that headspace and see the universe as that and be like oh my god it really is that <laughs> like bummer <laughs> um but it's okay. i thought that was just some people like people who listen to dubstep's perception of what the this world would be but no it is just <laughs> every, that's just the way it is yeah that's kind of <laughs> and everyone's laughing at me that's, that's kind of yeah it's ugly too it's ugly it's not it's not it's not my personal <laughs> taste i'll say that i used to love that shit when i was a youngster i'll tell you what oh yeah it's just like a magic eye poster with some different you know with some like spirituality taped to it for me but i, I understand the appeal if you have a closed third eye then yeah i do i do i will say the thing with dmt is like other psychedelic like mushrooms acid I think those are a little bit more on the human kind of touchy feely side. And DMT is like, it's like you get dosed with like this weird math equation. <laughs> it's almost like it's, it's, it's more astral. It's more yeah. like the closest thing I could describe it to is when they cut meteors. Like if you go to a natural history museum and they have like meteor rocks, sometimes they cut them in half mm. and there's these really interesting geometric patterns in the metals in the alkaloids or whatever. And it totally is like, kind of the way you trip on dmt it's like way more kind of astral and rigid in that way cutting open the geode of the mind exactly, exactly. yeah yeah it's like exactly it's it's less about like you know feeling your human emotions which i feel like you know mushrooms are mm -hmm. kind of the best for that it's like they're almost made for humans i say that all the time brother yeah actually i i, I need to <laughs> I, I i've been meaning to remind myself to do mushrooms again soon always yeah, you do it a lot? I don't anymore. No, I, I've stopped all <laughs> recreational psychedelic use as somebody that is purely interested in harnessing the, the natural stuff that's already in there. Okay. So you um, stopped forever or just taking an extended break? We'll see what happens one day kind of thing. Yeah, extended break. We'll see what happens. Like I do love mushrooms. I just find that it's like... I, I think I went down that path and discovered a lot of cool stuff and just didn't want to hang out there forever. Yeah. Especially with, with acid. Acid is one of those things you cannot really yeah, I, keep I doing. Just, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, I think mushrooms are, are slowly going the route of marijuana where they're going to come decriminalized and then legalized and then like deeply uncool and annoying. Yeah, you know? totally. And I, I, I see that in the very near future. Um but I, I think I that know. that's inevitable. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like microdose 
I, I could get down with a microdose. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess when you're, when do you ever do drugs when you're riding? Yeah. Maybe a little gummy. Yeah. But like, see? Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See? <laughs> like, you're trying to get all my secrets. See? What kind of, well, I mean, yeah, I, just a, it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't write songs, but sometimes I write some things and, and, and sometimes I've written them on a lot of mushrooms or a lot of weed and sometimes it's really good. Yeah. And I, it's, it's like a hard thing to, to lasso and harness, you know, cause you want to keep chasing that dragon where I guess younger, you're a well, younger version. You're like, I had the best fun or the best high, the most fun doing this, this and this in that setting. And you never can experience it again. I, I wonder if that's the same thing for I did mushrooms and wrote this really cool thing and that's never going to happen again, you know? Yeah, no, I, I kind of feel that way about drugs. Like, I, I feel like that was a different time in my life. Um, and that was, you know, getting, I got the best that I could out of it. But at, at this stage, it's like what happens to me, I, I just think that the neuroplasticity of having had done a lot of drugs back in the day is is enough now it's like i'm already out there i don't need to get any further out there if that makes sense <laughs> sure you're far enough yeah you're far I, I, enough. I, I you, you finished yeah. the jar of peanut butter you scraped the sides and you licked the lid and we're all done with it yeah like at this point like the, to me sobriety is the heaviest trip damn like actually yeah, just raw dogging your reality and your emotions you're, you're telling me you're telling me like, sis that it sucks, is but. the heaviest trip sounds scarier than anything uh, you've ever explained about your dmt journeys <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> to me it's like i i this is my new journey is kind of like yeah like actually seeing how i feel without any mind-altering substances and really just reckoning with that not even orange wine you know i i don't like i i kind of hate to admit this because i think i'm gonna lose some cool kid cred but like i like beer i don't even like wine all right is that insane <laughs> is that weird i'm not like the other girls is, is it weird insane? that i like drinking beer <laughs> i don't know you guys probably think i'm stupid i mean to me like i would go to a beer tasting <laughs> like i love like to me a big old oh, okay. big old pint of beer i love beer too and i yeah. think every person listening to this finds that to be uh, very cool don't don't worry are you I, I prefer a light, crisp Japanese beer myself. Where Where are you sipping on right now? Um, I was in the UK recently, and I was having like Guinness from the the source. Oh yeah, bro. Which is some serious shit. But I do Straight like from the draft. Yeah, yeah, I do like the really thick, crazy beers. Make it a meal, she says. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a meal. There's a lot of like chromium, like minerals in there, but um, <laughs> but it's not like a a regular thing for me. Okay, I don't. Got it. I don't drink every day. You you mentioned chromium. What, what are you are you a supplement head? I have the supplements. Um, <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. We have the meat. I've got a yeah. case of the supplements. The like, supplements. what do you mean? <laughs> well, I just think that I want to like I want to steer this conversation in another direction about the supplements. I want to say, I think it is so sad that holistic health and kind of alternative you know methods of healing have been co opted by the alt right. <laughs> you know and it's like it's it's so sad to have been like a, a liberal hippie mama who was like you know focused on alternative medicine and have that all of a sudden be some like kind of republican vibe nobody was expecting that yeah no one was expecting I know. that I of, mean, of all of those hippie mama things what 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 do you think has been um co-opted by by the alt or just the right in general 
nutritional yeast? What is it? I think they just realized the food was poison. But it's like I was <laughs> trying to tell everybody the food was poison when I was in middle school. I was like, you guys, mm-hmm. like we can't be eating these rancid seed oils anymore. You were on your seed oil flow in middle school? Well, it was more like hitting puberty Go off. as a woman in this environment. It's like, who knows what's going to happen? I just had like explosive acne for a minute. And to get rid of the acne, I kind of looked into what was in the food. And, and yeah, I stopped eating chicken because mm-hmm. it was all hormoned up. And I stopped eating, um, yeah, like soybean oil and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And you're still keeping to it? Well, I don't know. I, I really fluctuate because I also love some fast food. I like high culture. I like low culture. And like, I never think anything should be taken too seriously. So everything in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not extremely strict. I I mean, I have experienced and I I have other friends that have experienced like periods of my life of, you know, almost being like borderline eating disorder about the quality of the food. They call it orthorexia where you become so obsessed with only eating the most perfect, healthy stuff that you just end up slowly starving yourself. So (sighs) Um, Interesting. Ortho. I've never heard of that. Orthorexia. Yeah, it's pretty serious. And, and it actually took me a while to um, gain back the weight that I lost from, from that phase of my life. But I was quite young. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I think disordered eating is, is kind of a very big issue in our culture in general. Aside from like industrial food yeah. problems, there's also just this, um, this lack of tradition surrounding food in America the tradition is kind of like, you know, eat it quick and move on to something else. But in other countries where people actually hang out together and eat a lot, yeah. I find that their relationship to food is usually better and their quality of food ends up being a little better because people care about the lifestyle more. Yeah, I, I make a ceremony of every meal I have, I feel like, which maybe to to a fault because... I shouldn't be putting that much time and effort into eating food. No, you should. You should. Or maybe I shouldn't. No, I think. But I mean, I. It's the American. I eat, I eat too much of it. Oh, you you feel like you eat a little too much food? Mm-hmm. Just because I love it, I indulge a little bit too much. I'm fine now. I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. What uh, what are what are, what are the fast food crutches for a your raisin canes chick Del Taco? What's going on? Jack in the Box tacos. <laughs> Whoa! Wow you you want to talk about uh, dynamic range? Yeah, that's what I'm all about. Is as I said before, tonal dissonances. Because because Jack in the Box taco, a, a delicious, amazing treat. You know, kind of one click above jail food on in terms of quality, right? <laughs> it's it's dog food. I mean, it's like delicious dog food. It's delicious. Do you think this food. is from years of touring that it's broken you down, or is this something you've had a taste for since childhood? I mean, as a kid, there was a lot of fast food. Yeah. Um, I feel like we, as a family, ate fast food a lot. So it, there is a nostalgia to it. I think also just like, yeah, like as a musician, you make so little money that like there are times and you, you just need to eat a meal under five bucks. And, mm-hmm. and you don't want to, you know, as opposed to feeling kind of humiliated because it's obviously like denatured protein and, and not like healthy food. Um, I, you know, just kind of being a little bit like, you know, this is like, I, I'm going to practice some radical acceptance and pretend this is just a delicious <laughs> sure. I think it's healthy. food, you know? Yeah. yeah Jason subscribes. As to long that. as it happens quarterly and not daily. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have met people that have never really participated in fast food and, and the way that they looked at me when I was eating fast food kind of made me realize like, yeah, this is like a, this is obviously a choice. 
Yeah, look away. It's quite bad. Look away. It's quite bad. For you. Not, yeah, don't no, <laughs> yeah. don't look. <laughs> no. Um all right. Um I guess I guess we got it, Chris. You have any other questions? Are we good? Thank you for joining us. Uh it was a pleasure. And sorry we, we had to reschedule our, our flight got canceled. It was this whole thing. So I'm glad we made this work. I know you've been busy. Oh no, I'm so glad it worked out. And it, it was so fun just talking about so much random stuff. Really, really cool. Unexpected. That's what we try to do over here at How Long Gone. Um, yeah. How will... many How many podcasts have you done where somebody asked for, asked for you to tell them how you wrote each song on the album and everything, <laughs> all the inspiration and yeah, where... yeah. That, I like talking about drugs and food. It's fun. Yeah, that's the, that's our whole mantra. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, tickets for uh, the Greek with Perfume Genius October fourth are on sale now. I'm sure wherever you get your tickets we'll be there yeah and we will uh amazing and i'm not gonna ask you for guest list i'm gonna ask your pr company <laughs> okay beautiful we'll get you guys on thank you thank you we'll talk to you soon yeah thank you guys bye sitting at this party wondering if anyone knows me really sees who So long since I fell